We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Ducks are back home in Eugene for their week three matchup against the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. And today we're previewing and predicting that game on the Ducks Dish podcast. And we're back like we never left. Oregon fans, what's going on? How we living? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. Just in case you're new here, I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks over on Fan Nation, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. Like I said in the intro, we got week three. We got Hawaii versus Oregon. Ducks are back at home to wrap up their non-conference slate for this season. So on today's episode, I'm going to get into a preview of that game, talk about both sides of the ball and both teams in this matchup, and then give you my final score prediction for that game. However you guys are tuned into today's episode, whether you're listening to us on your podcasting platform of choice or watching us here on YouTube, thank you so much for tuning in and stoked to have you guys along Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe wherever you guys are tuned in. And also throw mailbag questions my way in the comments. Working on a possible mailbag episode for tomorrow, Friday, September 15th. But I need questions from you guys to help me fill out the show. So go ahead and do that for me, and I would greatly appreciate it. So this game, we got number 13 Oregon. 2-0 2-0 against the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors, unranked, 1-2. Oregon is coming off of a 38-30 win on the road over Texas Tech in Lubbock, and boy, was that a fun one. I know some Duck fans might disagree and say that was a little too close for comfort, but a win is a win. Ducks passed their first road test of the year. I don't know if I would say with flying colors. Definitely wouldn't say with flying colors, but they were able to come away with a win nonetheless. We've seen and heard the comparisons between that game and the Washington State game from a year ago. The Ducks won that one 44 to 41. But again, this goes back to what I was talking about with Oregon's schedule this season. I like that test on the road against Texas Tech. Hostile environment. Certainly got punched in the mouth a couple of times. Didn't score any points in that third quarter. And you have to pull off a comeback in order to come away with the win. And man, how fitting is it, how fitting was it that the game-winning play, the play that sealed the deal 
was a pick six from linebacker Jeffrey Bossa. I thought that was just kind of the cherry on top of that game, especially because you have a defensive-minded head coach now if you're Oregon, right? With Dan Lanning, I thought that was just a great stamp on what they were able to do in Lubbock and responding to adversity, coming up with big plays when you needed them the most. So let's get into both sides of the ball for both of these teams here. Usually how I like to do this is talk about the Oregon offense and then the opposing defense and then Oregon's defense and the opposing offense. So Ducks will host the Hawaii Rainbows, Rainbow Warriors in Eugene for the first time since 1992. Ducks and Rainbow Warriors haven't played since 1994, and the Ducks lost that game. I can't remember the score off the top of my head, but I know it wasn't pretty. I think it was around 36 to 14, but safe to say that quite a bit has changed since that last matchup between these two programs. Former Hawaii Rainbow Warriors quarterback Timmy Chang is now the head coach after setting some NCAA records as a quarterback himself at Hawaii. So pretty cool storyline from that standpoint. Let's get into the Oregon offense. Always a good place to start. Bo Nix had himself another strong performance on the road in week two. Threw the ball 44 times. Of those 44 passes, he completed 32 of them for 359 yards and threw for a pair of touchdown passes as well, connecting with Troy Franklin early on in that game. Home run pass, and then Tez Johnson as well, uh, his adopted brother, with a nice touchdown um, in that game. So what was really interesting to me about Bo Nix in this game, I'd say two things. I'd say how much we saw Bo Nix run the ball, He was second on the team with nine carries for 46 yards, averaging 5.1 yards per carry. I thought that was awesome and a development that I thought we were going to get in week two, just seeing Bo Nix use his legs more against a quality opponent. Not sure that'll be so much the case this week. I think that you're looking for Oregon's run game to carry more of that weight, take some of that pressure off Bo, and just not have him take as many hits because you don't want to put your quarterback in harm's way unless you absolutely have to, which you, in effect, are doing every time you call a run play, or he's doing when he keeps the ball himself. The second thing that was surprising to me about Bo Nix last week was that near interception in the end zone when he was trying to sync up with tight end Casey Kelly. Um, I think Dan Lanning and the, I think Dan Lanning talked about Bo, talked with Bo after the game and then spoke with uh, reporters earlier this week, just kind of trying to erase that one and you know move on from it, realize it wasn't the best decision uh, at that moment in time. But that was really scary, especially in crunch time, to see Bo uh, make that decision. It's something that I really thought was behind him. But it is just one decision. It wasn't an interception, so it all, it all worked out, and they kind of came away more or less unscathed from that. But the Oregon offense runs through Knicks, and – I think as an Oregon fan, you want to be looking at this one and hoping that the Ducks can blow the roof off of this place and just put up a bunch of points again. Going to be hard to match that program record at 81 points that they set in week one against Portland State, but this should be a pretty fairly easy matchup for Bo Nix and the Oregon offense against Hawaii this week. Hawaii will be without one of their best players on defense, what some believe around that program is the best defensive player on the team and that's Taylor Logan. He is a weak side linebacker for the rainbow warriors. And he actually tore his ACL in their week two win over the university at Albany. So 
definitely a tough blow for Timmy Chang and Hawaii, but that's obviously something that's going to help Oregon. Anytime your opponent loses one of its premier players, it's going to make them susceptible. So just to get back to Knicks, I think that you want to see him have a t uh, another strong day. You want to see him take care of the ball, keep that offense moving, maybe distribute the ball a little bit more to some more receivers. You've kind of seen him focusing on Troy Franklin and Tez Johnson a little bit earlier in, in this one. He's also been throwing it to the tight ends, which I love. Uh, I think I talked yesterday on the pod about I want to see more from Oregon's tight ends in this one. So that's kind of what I want to see from Bo Nix. Should be a fairly easy day at the office. Um, I don't think that uh, um, I almost said Texas Tech, Hawaii's defense presents too much of an issue. Uh, they have a couple good edge rushers, a couple good pass rushers, but I think this is a great game for Oregon's offensive line. And I think that they uh, keep Bo Nix upright and probably finish this game without a sack. Looking elsewhere along this Oregon offense, let's talk about one area for improvement that we want to see. I want to see the run game have a big, big day. We know that that's really where the Oregon offense has kind of hung its hat in recent years. I think Oregon's kind of made a, made a name for themselves as a run first team without a doubt. And the run game wasn't that great last week in Lubbock. You did run for over a hundred yards, but from a statistical standpoint, I think it definitely could have been better. Only 3.6 yards per carry. Bo Nix was actually the leading rusher in that game. And then you had Bucky Irving who finished behind him with 38 rushing yards. So didn't see a whole lot of Jordan James either. He only had eight yards on four carries. So I think I view this as a little bit of a bounce back game for Oregon's running backs. Not to say that they had a bad day or a poor day, just kind of an average day. And part of that was because this offensive line, they're still gelling. They're still kind of putting the pieces together. They're still getting into a rhythm uh, working on their communication, whatever it is. And uh, we saw some of those growing pains last week in this new look offensive line for the Ducks. I was re-watching the game the other day and I actually saw some guys that were bumping into each other, running into each other when they were pulling. So the execution still isn't all the way there for the Oregon offensive line led by Alik Terry, but it's not the end of the world. It's not a doom and gloom scenario. Uh, but I will say this. I think if Oregon wants to win some of these other games that they have on their schedule, I'm talking about that week four matchup maybe against Deion Sanders and the Buffs, which is already getting a whole lot of hype. I think that's another sub storyline this week for Oregon as they head into this Hawaii matchup as the overwhelming favorites you can't get complacent and look past this Hawaii team. You can't let the hype get to you for this Colorado game when the Buffs come to town in week four, a game, mind you, that a lot of people I think were writing off in the preseason, myself included. I can admit that. I think a lot of people were quick to just chalk this one up as a dub, and now Deion Sanders has people talking about that Colorado Buffaloes team. Two wins so far uh, over TCU, which was not the same TCU team that went to the national championship last year, but a win over TCU nonetheless. And then a win over Nebraska and uh, Jeff Sims, the quarterback that just can't stop turning the ball over. It seems that was the storyline that uh, came out of that game in Boulder sold out Folsom field. There's a lot of momentum there, but that's next week. you got to focus on the here and now if you're Dan Lanning and the ducks. And I know that he's got his guys locked in laser focus for this game against Hawaii at home. 
So who was I talking about? I was talking about the running backs a little bit and the offensive line. Uh, we'll see if Nishad Struther is uh, in action, if he ends up making his debut for the Ducks. Um, he has been kind of battling some injuries lately, so we'll see if he is, in fact, ready to go for this game week three for the Ducks. And I think that you want to get that guy some some good playing time, right, in this game, or just your reserves or those rotational guys. We've kind of seen Faope Laulaulu get some good rotation kind of as that uh, that number three offensive tackle or one of those first guys uh, off the bench for Elite Terry and company, Mike Cavanaugh along the offensive line. Also saw a decent amount of Iapani Laulaulu, his younger brother. He was in when the game was on the line playing some right guard for the Ducks. So maybe we'll get a little bit more clarity about where this offensive line rotation is at. From left to right so far this season, it's been Josh Connerly Jr., former five-star and sophomore offensive tackle. Left guard, Marcus Harper the second. He played a ton of left guard last year for the Ducks and I think did an awesome job after Stephen Jones got hurt. Jackson Powers Johnson has been manning the middle and the leader of that offensive line for the Ducks at center. I think he's doing a great job. Was listening to Spencer McLaughlin's pod earlier today, and he was saying that I think he's the number two graded center in all of college football. So he is taking that prior experience and putting it to good use off to a hot start as the center for the Ducks. And then at right guard, you had uh, Stephen Jones for a lot of that game. And then, like I said, Yapani Lalulu came in. I saw a, a video of him and Marcus Harper walking next to each other uh, in week one in kind of the pregame walkout. And my God, they did not look very different from a physical standpoint. Iapani Lalulu is listed on the Oregon roster at six foot two, 325 pounds. And then Harper is listed at 6'3", 325 pounds. So Harper's a junior and Iapani is a true freshman, but just goes to show you the emphasis that Dan Lanning and company are putting on winning at the line of scrimmage, on winning at the point of attack. And then at right tackle, you have a Johnny Cornelius, um, the Rhode Island transfer. So it seems like that starting five is is pretty well solidified, but now you kind of find yourself wondering, okay, how does Struther fit into the equation? How does Texas transfer Junior Angelau uh, fit into the rotation? Angelau, I think, is actually how you say his last name. But either way, the Ducks definitely have some real solid depth along the offensive line. I view this matchup against Hawaii as an opportunity to take a step in the right direction, put your best foot forward, heading into conference play. I think the passing protection has been real solid. Bo Nix has had uh, a clean pocket to work from for a majority of this time. They faced a good test in Texas Tech, who had some good pieces up front. Um, and there's some good defenses in the Pac-12 this year as well, right? So that's a big test that they're going to have to get ready for, an ongoing test facing those Pac-12 defenses year uh, week in and week out. So I view this as a bounce back game for Oregon's offensive line, seeing that it wasn't their best performance a week ago, particularly in that run game. And we know that the Ducks love to run the ball with Carlos Lachlan and his three headed monster so far this year with Bucky Irving, Noah Whittington and Jordan James. Just to kind of talk a little bit more about the offense and, and kind of where we want to see this group go, where we want to see them grow, what we want to see, from this deep from this uh offense on Saturday, I think I want to see Bo Nick spread the ball around a little bit more, see some of these guys get more involved. Are we gonna see Chris Hudson at all this week? I think that's a question that is uh um fair for Oregon fans to be asking. He he's been practicing this week and and uh, I heard he was making some some really solid catches from some of the people I talked to around Eugene. So 
Uh, maybe we, he gets back into a stronger role. Maybe we see some of Jurion Dickey, the five-star freshman wide receiver that so many fans have been excited about. I want to see more Gary Bryant Jr. as well. Maybe even some Kyler Casper. This is Oregon's last game. You got to think with the non-conference schedule, it might be their last game, last opportunity to get these true freshmen a lot of playing time or just even get some of these underclassmen rotational pieces, some of those four red shirt games, right? You could play four games while still uh, preserving your red shirt. So I look at this as a great opportunity for some of those guys to get involved and get some good snaps under their belt. So there's so much talent uh, at the wide receiver spot. Maybe we see some more of uh, Kenyon Sadiq and more of Casey Kelly in this game. I loved what I saw from Terrence Ferguson and Patrick Herbert. Terrence Ferguson had a, a drop in that game against Texas Tech, but I think Terrence Ferguson and Patrick Herbert are going to be more than enough for the Ducks at tight end. Now it's also just in this game kind of about looking towards the future and and trying to shore up your depth and, and see what you have at that position because it's kind of unknown behind Terrence Ferguson and Patrick Herbert. But the tight end position is a group that has some talent, definitely some promise, but a little bit of an unknown. Also have to talk about the quarterback position. Why? Because Ty Thompson. Ty Thompson, is he the guy after Bo Nix? I don't know. I talked about this a lot on the last episode of the podcast. I think it was yesterday's episode where I evaluated the future uh, at quarterback for the Ducks, talking about the guys on the roster, Ty Thompson, Austin Novosad. Saw a little bit of him in the first game of the season against Portland State, but also those guys that are committed, 2024 quarterbacks, Michael Van Buren and Luke Moga, as well as 2025 quarterback, Akili Smith Jr., I think of the three, I think Achilles Smith Jr. probably has the most promise, but you got to look, uh, if you're looking in the near future here with, with Van Buren and Moga, I kind of came away from that thinking that Moga has, uh, has a little bit of the edge right now, even though he is a little bit more of a raw prospect. But back to Ty Thompson, he's the guy here in Eugene now. If you're looking at the roster, you got to think that he is the guy with the best chance to take over for Will Stein at quarterback once we kind of find ourselves in this post-Bo Nix era. Sounds a little scary to say, but Duck fans don't have to worry about it too much now. This game against Hawaii on Saturday is a great opportunity for, for Thompson to get some quality reps against a, I'd say, quality FBS opponent, seeing that um, Portland State was an FCS opponent. So you can't take too much away from that. So hopefully we see some of Ty Thompson, but expecting the Ducks to run the score up. I'll get to my final score prediction later in the podcast, but that's about all I have for Oregon on offense. Should be another big day. Lots of points for the offense. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed 
on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Moving on to the defense led by Dan Lanning, Tosh Lapoy, and company. This defense, I thought, might have very well shown the most promise that we've seen from them since Dan Lanning took over as head coach of the Ducks. Now, let me be clear. What did I not just say? I didn't just say that game against Texas Tech was the best defensive game we've seen from the Ducks under Dan Lanning. But what did I see in that game? I saw a lot of things in that game, right? We can take away a lot from that game in Lubbock. But the thing that I think stood out the most to me was the pass rush. The pass rush looked consistent. It looked fairly reliable. Tyler Shuck wasn't able to stand in the pocket all day long. You had guys like Mateo Uyunglele kind of getting in his face. You saw some pressure uh, along the interior. You even saw some of the linebackers in Jamal Hill and Bryce Betcher getting in his face. Bryce Betcher almost had a snap, uh, not a snap, a fumble in that game. So I think that the pass rush took a big step forward. Loved what you see from Brandon Dorless. Taki Taimani generated some pressure. Casey Rogers as well. Love that front seven. So I think that this is another opportunity for Oregon's pass rush to potentially have a field day. Why do I say that? Well, look at some of these numbers. Hawaii is ranked number 128th in sacks allowed in the entire country. Granted, they've played more games than most schools have. They do have a week zero game traditionally every year, so they've played in three games. But the other team that's played in three games, one other team that's played in three games is Louisiana Tech. They've surrendered 10 sacks, and Hawaii has surrendered 14 sacks. So we definitely have to talk about the quarterback for Hawaii, Braden Shager, but he doesn't exactly have the best help, the best guys defending him and giving him time to pass. So I look at this matchup against Hawaii for Oregon's defense, and they could, probably should, have a field day rushing after the quarterback. They had four sacks a week ago against Texas Tech, and I think they can absolutely improve on that mark here in week three against the Rainbow Warriors. So lots of good pieces up front. You saw some really good improvement from a year ago, I think. You know, now, is it going to stick? How is it going to show up again in, in this week's game? Because you can't take too much from one game. And I think for, for Oregon to be a good team every year, it's got to, or every, every week, right? For Oregon to be a good team this week, you got to have some of those improvements showing up week after week after week. So the pass rush should be there on Saturday. And if it's not, then I think you got to have a little bit of concern as a Duck fan. We know that the Rainbow Warriors don't really like to run the ball. They almost pass exclusively. Maybe they'll run the ball between 8 and 10 times total. For comparison, the Ducks ran the ball 31 times a week ago against Texas Tech. So this is a true, I guess you can't call it an error rate. I think it's called the run and shoot offense technically for Hawaii and Tim and Timmy Chang, but this is a this is a unit that loves to throw the ball. And uh, Braden Shager had himself a pretty good day last week against the University at Albany, not of Albany. 
Final stat line in that game for Braden Shager, a junior quarterback out of Dallas, Texas, six foot three, 225 pounds. Final stat line 23 for 40 for 266 yards and four touchdowns. But here's the caveat with that the dude threw three interceptions. So taking care of the ball so far has not really been a strength for Braden Shager, kind of turnover prone, maybe. You see some some turnover areas, maybe not the best decision maker. He's thrown 10 touchdowns, but he's also thrown five interceptions in just three games. And like I said, he's been sacked 14 times. The worst game actually came from the university at Albany um, a week ago. So he was sacked five times in that game. So he's a, a talented quarterback. He's going to make you pay if you don't do a good job defending some of these wide receivers going to go over the top. Certainly has a quality deep ball. Dan Lanning was very complimentary of Braden Shager when we were, when the reporters were talking to him earlier this week about that game and just about his ability as a passer. Lanning was saying that he's probably the strongest arm of any quarterback they faced just yet. So Another quality quarterback uh, challenge for this Oregon defense, and they also have some good pieces Do the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors at wide receiver. You have the Kansas transfer. I know that he's the guy, uh, McBride, that has kind of been the, the focal point of, of their passing attack. He's a guy that they're really excited about there out in Hawaii. Um, Stephen McBride comes over. He had seven catches for 72 yards and, and two touchdowns last week. So he's someone who is showing a whole lot of promise. Then you have Pofele Ashlock, um, with four catches and 74 yards from last week. So th- there are some talented receiving pieces here. The offensive line may not be great, but Braden Shager has weapons and Oregon's going to need to be aware of them. And they're going to need to pass this test, another test against some good wide receivers in week three. So that's an area for growth for the receipt for the cornerbacks, excuse me, and the safeties that secondary for Oregon is is in for a test. It seems like we're going to probably see more of Evan Williams this week. He's been playing with a club on his hand, maybe not a club, but a heavy wrap on one of his hands. So we'll see how, uh, how his availability looks this, this week, how much of a factor is his health, but I'm excited to see some of these other pieces in the secondary kind of start to solidify themselves a bit more. Jaleel Florence, the corner from San Diego, he got uh, a little bit of a starting nod, so to speak, last week at corner. So he's trying to solidify himself in that role. Kyrie Jackson probably need a bounce back game from him. He did have an interception that came in a pretty big spot for the Ducks. Admittedly, right, they had a, a punt that was partially blocked and Kyrie Jackson came away with an interception on that following drive. A little bit of redemption for him after a, a pretty bad pass interference call. So this is a big game for him, for both of those guys. Then what do we see from Dante Manning and Triquez Bridges? Maybe we see some younger guys playing. Cole Martin and, and Daylon Austin in particular kind of come to mind for me. But at that secondary, that second level with the safeties, Brian Addison's having a good game, good year so far. He had the game ceiling interception when Texas Tech was kind of in that last chance for romance stage in last week's game. Saw some of Steve Stevens, but how, how does Tysheem Johnson look? I think I was really excited with what we saw from him. The Ole Miss transfer last week, he had a sack on Tyler Shuck. So what are the exotic pressures? What are the, the simulated pressures look like for Dan Lanning and Tosh LePoy when they're calling up that defense this week? How aggressive are they willing to get seeing that they know that Braden Shager 
and that Hawaii offense love to let it rip. I think that's something that you have to keep in mind if you're looking at this game and, and what the matchup presents for Oregon. The secondary definitely has a lot of room to grow. We also have to talk about the linebackers because I liked what we saw from the linebackers. Jamal Hill came up with some big plays, that strip sack uh, against Tyler Shuck, coming with the pressure. Bryce Betcher looked good. Pressure, Betcher, kind of just sounds nice. Um, and then you have to talk about Jeffrey Bossa, who came away with that pick six. He He's looking off to a, a good start. Are we going to see any of Justin Jacobs this week? It, it doesn't seem like, from what I've been reading and hearing, that we're going to be seeing him this week. But I figure that's okay. If you're a Duck fan, you want to save him for that matchup against Colorado, where you have to go against Shador Sanders, Travis Hunter, and the rest of that squad. I think you want to rest him up, and you probably have enough talent. You definitely should have enough talent to get by Hawaii this week. Maybe we'll see some more of Devin Jackson as he starts to kind of solidify himself a little bit more with, with that rotation in the linebacker core. So we've seen a lot of rotation just throughout the first two weeks of the season for Oregon, but maybe you need to get a little bit more clarity there at the linebacker spot. Connor Soley as well, the Arizona State transfer. Can't forget about him. We've been seeing a bit of him lately. Or maybe your linebacker core is just so good that you have the ability to rotate those pieces and you don't really see too terribly much of a drop-off when one guy comes out for another. Maybe that's another thing we have to consider, but I think you're looking to answer some questions, get more clarity. You're not going to be a finished product by the time you finish this game against Hawaii, but I think that's really what Oregon's probably looking for is just coming out of this game and knowing a bit more of what you have, right? They have a good defensive front. They have a really good defensive line. Popo, Dorless, Casey Rogers, Mateo, Blake Purchase was even getting involved. Maybe we see a, bit, a better game out of Jordan Birch. I think we didn't see too much of him against Texas Tech when he was asked about that. And it kind of came back to some of the sub opportunities, the substitution opportunities that they had. And uh, Texas Tech wanting to run some tempo. How does Oregon respond to tempo too? That's another question for the defense because Texas Tech was running tempo for the, against them sometimes. And it was giving them some fits. So just the ability to communicate, to be in sync, to, to get ready and get to the line of scrimmage and, and not let Hawaii maybe use some tempo to kind of knock them off their game. So we know that the defensive front is solid for Oregon. We know that the linebackers have some talent, made some really big plays in that week against that game against Texas Tech. What does the depth chart kind of look like there? Are guys solidifying themselves as entrenched starters? We probably know at this point we're going to see a whole lot of Jeffrey Bossa, but if we don't see Justin Jacobs, who is all over that that second linebacker spot, that second inside linebacker spot, my guess right now would probably be Jamal Hill. And then we really don't know what we have. If you're looking at this from Oregon's standpoint, Oregon doesn't know what they have in the secondary, really. I don't know if they have an alpha at cornerback. Does it become Jaleel Florence? He looks really good, but Lanning says he just needs more consistency because he's doing it in practice, but you need to see that translate over to a game. And what does the rotation look like at safety? Are there guys that solidify themselves and prove to be too good to keep off the field? So the rotational part is such an interesting aspect to me because on the one hand, you can look at it as we just have so many talented guys who want to get them on the field. But the other hand, you can look at it on the other side of the coin we don't know what we have at safety, so we need to keep trying things out. We need to keep rotating in Nico Reed and and, and Cole Martin and, and Tysheem Johnson, guys like that, Brian Addison, Steve Stevens. So 
I don't think that the rotations are bad, but you want to have some clarity in terms of what you have, like I've said, heading into that next week against Colorado. Also want to see some improvement on the special teams. I think Camden Lewis did great, so he's doing his thing, but we saw that the punt defense wasn't great in the one punt that the Ducks had last week in Texas Tech against Texas Tech. I think they actually might have had two because one was blocked partially, and then another one was returned for quite a bit of yards, like 30-some-odd yards. So the special teams continues to be an area that the Ducks need to improve. Maybe we see them rip off some big returns. I think that would be great for them, especially since they're at home and they're going to have uh, the flock, the Duck fans, with them. Looking elsewhere in the Pac-12, there's not too great of a slate. Um, not too great of a slate this weekend. I think that uh, you got Utah and Weber State. You got San Diego State and Oregon State. Maybe that's a good game. Idaho and Cal, UCLA and North Carolina Central, Northern Colorado and Washington State, Stanford and Sacramento State, Troy Taylor taking on his old squad. Colorado, Colorado State, maybe that's a good one, but Jay Norvell just insists on uh, calling out Deion Sanders to try to fire them up a bit more. Fresno State, Arizona State could be a good one. Uh, the Bulldogs are the three-point favorite in that game, and then Arizona and UTEP. But the big game for me, on my mind, is Washington and Michigan State. The Huskies hit the road to face the Spartans in East Lansing. We all know that... Uh, Michigan State has that investigation around Mel, Mel Tucker right now. So that uncertainty and, and that uh, development off the field is something that uh, could distract the team, right? It, it, we've talked about it before with the coaching carousel and just other factors, external factors that can distract the team. But as far as Washington goes, they've been lighting it up with Michael Penix. I know Duck fans don't want too much Washington talk, but Washington is definitely a top Pac-12 contender and the Ducks will face them this year. So what does Michael Penix look like in a, a big road game, a big headliner non-conference matchup for the Huskies? Because he's off to a great start slinging the ball. So that's the Pac-12 game that I think you should watch uh, if you're an Oregon fan and you're looking for some other football to watch outside of that game. couple uh, outside of the Oregon game, that is, right? A couple of other uh, little notes here to kind of wind us down. Did a lot of good stories recently over on DucksDigest.com. Had my Taurus's Take feature, trying to get that back to a weekly feature where I talked to, to you guys about my notes, analysis, and recruiting intel, talking all things Ducks over there. Aiden Breland, Brandon Baker, Solomon Williams. If those names mean anything to you, definitely go check that one out. That's all. That's my latest in Oregon football recruiting story. So stoked about that one. And uh, the prediction how did I for almost forget about the prediction? Oh, my word. Um, Got to catch myself there. My final score prediction for Oregon against Hawaii. I have Oregon winning big in this one. So sorry that it took me this long to get to the score prediction. I got number 13, Oregon, 59, and Hawaii, 17. I think that the way I see it, I see Bo Nix being good for at least four touchdowns in this game maybe two through the air and two on the ground. And then I see Bucky and Noah probably each getting a touchdown as well, which would leave the remaining 17 points to kind of the backups or the rotational guys that are able to get in. And I think that they are going to come to this game ready to play and execute at a high level. I think that Oregon gets their penalties cleaned up from a week ago and looks like a much better product on the field. As for Hawaii with their 17 points, I think that Oregon's probably going to continue to have some defensive lapses, probably some breakdowns on third down, 
and uh, they're going to have a little bit of issues maybe settling in and containing that explosive Hawaii offense with some of those receivers and just their gunslinger mentality. And then I give them a field goal as well at some point if a drive is able to move the ball but kind of sputters out ultimately at the end. So, again, sorry, I almost forgot with the, the prediction. Sometimes I just get too riled up on these podcasts, and I feel like I always have to keep going, always have to say something. But I think I'm getting a bit better at kind of slowing myself down and just having fun with it. Um, any other notes come to mind? I ask myself, uh, I'm going to be at uh, a big Southern California high school football game tomorrow on Friday. Sierra Canyon against Orange Lutheran. Sierra Canyon is looking really solid. They're 3-0, and and they have uh, some new pieces. Sierra Canyon has UCLA wide receiver Quasi Gilmer, USC wide receiver commit Xavier Jordan, and um, they have a new quarterback in Wyatt Becker. And then Orange Lutheran was looking really solid, but they actually just went on the road out to Arizona and played Chandler and took their first loss of the year. So, you know, they're looking to bounce back in a home matchup at home, but uh, in a home matchup back in Southern California. You guys know I can't get enough recruiting and high school football, so I'm super stoked to be back for another big game under the Friday Night Lights. Ducks and Rainbow Warriors at 5 o'clock on the Pac-12 Networks. Ted Robinson and Yogi Roth on the call. Should be a fun one for you if you're going out to Eugene, and if you're not able to go out to Eugene, should be a fun call. Yogi Roth's awesome. And uh, if you guys want to follow me, Find more of me important to lock in with me on social media. I am at mTorres Sports on Twitter and Instagram. And I am on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Torres. Make sure you hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. And you can find all my written work over on ducksdigest.com. And then last thing to ask of you guys, share the show with your friends, with your family, and with other duck fans. But until next time, you guys, thanks so much for taking some time out of your day to talk some ducks with me. And I'll see you on the next episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast.